one recruit is heading the community college route. The other ain't coming to Oklahoma. We'll talk about what happened on Monday on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the sports book partner of the NBA, official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref and Norman. And thank you for being a part of the live show. Josh, got some very interesting recruiting nuggets to uh, to touch on to get started. Um, the a couple Mondays ago, or for two Mondays in a row, we got commitments. This Monday, it's going the other route for the Oklahoma Sooners. First, we'll start with the 2023 recruiting class. Keon Brown heading the way of community college. Now, there have been some rumblings in recent weeks that academic eligibility was going to be potentially an issue for him. It seems like that's reared its ugly head. And now he's going to go to garden community college to get his college football career started. I'll give uh, proper credit where credit is due. Uh, I'm looking at a story from Colin Kennedy of Sooners illustrated. And uh, if somebody else broke it before Colin, I apologize. But I, as far as I know, Colin Kennedy's who, who broke this here that uh, yeah, sources are telling Sooners illustrated that uh, 2023 wide receiver signee Keon Brown taking the the JUCO route heading heading to uh, Garden City Community College, which nice JUCO. Uh, you know this doesn't totally close the book on Keon Brown coming to Oklahoma, and d- the fact that it's Garden City Community College in in Kansas. I don't know. Uh, m- maybe somebody else knows if Brent Vittables has some legitimate ties at Garden City. But does that suggest that that maybe this is hey one year and then and then back to Oklahoma once the academics are in order? It certainly has the possibility of that. There's no telling what Oklahoma and the national landscape looks like a year from now at wide receiver. But if he goes and he gets his academics in order and he you know performs well on the field, and perhaps it's one of those kind of like we've talked about with um, you know Brent Venables in his recruiting. What does a commitment look like? And if your theory is correct and Brent Venables kind of has the connections there at Garden City in Kansas, which we know he's got big ties to the to the state from one. He was from he's from there. He played, you know, college football at Kansas State. He's going to have ties. So having that connection, hopefully this is this is the case where because of the ties that he has his commitment to the player which is a, a very hot topic all the, all of the time. Like how committed are players to programs and coaches and how committed are coaches to players? I, I, I will hope that this theory is correct, that this is the Sooners trying to help him out. And then a year down the road, when he does academically qualify, then he can slot right in with the rest of his class. Yeah. I, I mean, seems like somebody, we, we were pretty excited about the possibility of, of Keon Brown alongside Jaquay's, Petaway in this class and now for at least the signing class 
it's just Jaquay's Petaway coming uh, to Oklahoma, at least for now. Maybe uh, maybe Keon Brown still is sooner bound before it's all said and done. But basically, you you rest you reset the board with what uh, what you had coming back to campus, John, and then the transfer portal additions that OU brought in, which is Brendan Thompson from Texas and Andrell Anthony, uh, obviously coming over from Michigan. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be okay. I mean, we trust Oklahoma to be able to develop and build their wide receiver depth chart. Emmett Jones is going to be able to figure that out. Now, let's also you know consider that Keon Brown committed and was going to sign under Kale Gundy, LD Washington, you know, change of coaches that that can impact some things. But I think that they Oklahoma will honor you know, their commitment to Keon Brown can, you know, given hopefully with the, the caveat that he kind of lives up to what he's expected to do when he gets to, to garden city. So yeah, it, it, it's a weird time and we can turn the page and talk about Lane Jenkins. Uh, the, uh, the Juco kid that Oklahoma picked up a commitment from uh, just a few weeks ago, an edge player that uh, everybody seemed to be pretty intrigued about, you know, he wasn't going to be somebody that came in right away and, and made a huge impact in year one, but maybe down the line because of his athletic traits, his length, he was going to make him an impact. Well, the, again, the rumblings were there that uh, Oklahoma had pulled his offer, but it's, it's, you know, John Hoover is the story I saw where, uh, you know, the Sooners pulled the offer from Lane Jenkins. And now he's, probably going to end up with Indiana because that's the place he ended up taking a visit to after committing to the Oklahoma Sooners. And as we know, Brent Venables has the, has the policy that if you take visits after committing, you're not really committed. Um, and that offer gets pulled. So just another intriguing note that happened on a Monday, six foot six, uh, 255 pound edge defensive end type out of Butler. Speaking of, you know, the community college route out of Butler community college. Uh, I know somebody, chimed in in the uh, the chat over here that butler butler community college is the best community college in its best juco route in kansas and you know historically yeah that's that's been the case butler county's been uh big time the grizzlies man they they win uh, national championships uh, left and right and anyways lane jenkins out of butler county but uh, you, you had the commitment and then all of a sudden decide you want to go visit illinois crystal ball prediction comes in and oh by the way the uh the the uh offer gets gets pulled for Lane Jenkins, which that sparks its own debate, right? Which I guess Ari Wasserman uh, met up. You were telling me about this. I, I hadn't seen this story, but uh, Ari Wasserman, I guess, had the big sit down with Brent Venables where that that recruiting philosophy, which is you're committed, you're committed, you're committed, or you're not committed at all, uh, came into play. And John, I'll just let you speak to that. Well, so Ari Wasserman did a piece on Brent Venables and the Oklahoma Sooners for The Athletic a couple weeks back. But then this was kind of a follow-up uh, to that piece where he did have a discussion with Brent Venables, a point-by-point -point debate. It's fantastic read. If you have an athletic subscription, I highly recommend it. Where he just, Wasserman says that he's not a fan of the no-visit policy. And, and he even approached Brent Venables with that saying, you know, talk me through it. Like, explain explain why you think it's a good idea. And, you know, he came away from the conversation thinking it's actually not a bad, he, he kind of almost sides with Venables at that point with the caveat that everybody gets treated the same, that the three-star player that takes a visit after a commitment gets treated the same way as a five-star player that gets, uh, that takes a visit after a commitment. And what it comes down to 
is that idea of commitment. It's the thing that we've talked about on this show multiple times over the course of John or Josh and I's tenure running this show that Brent Venables believes in the actual definition of the word commitment and not what commitment has turned into on the recruiting front, which is, I kind of like you. And that's the way Brent Venables describes it. You know, according to the Ari Wasserman piece, I mean, these are quotes from Brent Venables. He's like, the way committing commitment works a lot of times in college football is I like you. I want to hold my spot there. And Brent Venables doesn't see that necessarily as fair to the rest of the guys that Oklahoma is pursuing. You know, if, if you're, you know, the guy that's at the top of their board and you commit, but you're not really committed, then it doesn't give them the opportunity to like really dive deep into the other guys on that board. And so then when you decommit, or you commit and flip some, or you flip somewhere else, then they haven't spent as much time maybe recruiting, you know, D tackle three, D tackle four, or wide receiver four, or whatever on their recruiting board. And a guy that is like, I'm 100% Oklahoma is my dream school. I've always wanted to play there, but maybe they're not as high up on on the depth chart or the the recruiting, you know, power rankings, power board uh, for the coaching staff. If that guy that is quote unquote committed, but not really. He, if he's holding that spot, then potentially it takes a spot for somebody else. So in, in, in the, in the piece, Brent Venables says multiple times, go take as many visits as you want, go see as many places as you can. He's more concerned about the guy that's only been to one school and committing. He, he says, I, I've tried to talk players out of committing because I want them to be sure what they're committing to, not just hold my spot. I like you. We're going to date. You're going to continue to recruit me sort of a thing. No, it's I'm in all in let's go, let's roll, you know? And and I think that's where we get kind of sidetracked a little bit, or we get lost in the discussion sometimes because commit, you know, commitment doesn't mean what it means in recruiting, but Brent Venables is trying to say, no, like, a commitment in life should mean the same thing as a commitment in recruiting. If I'm committing to do this show with Josh every, every night, you know, unless something comes up, one of us has something going on. We're going to be doing this show every night because that's what we're committing to. If I commit to show up at work at 6 30 AM on Thursday, I'm going to show up to work at 6 30 AM on Thursday because that's what I've committed to do. And I, and I, I do appreciate this approach. Will it, could it potentially cost you prospects? Absolutely. But what we're learning from Brent Venables is what does he care most about? He cares most about culture and he cares most about guys kind of living up to what they say they're going to do. He wants everybody. And the way he describes it in the piece from Ari Wasserman is the guys that want to be great. They don't have time for drama. They want to, they just, they're going to be working. They're not necessarily trying to sit out there and, and play games. And that's the same thing on the recruiting trail. If you're just one foot in with a commitment, that's how, and the way he describes it is that's how you're going to be with your, your studies. That's how you're going to be with your weight room. That's how you're going to be in your film room. That's how you're going to be in practice. You're just going to be kind of one foot in, but the guys that are committing to to Oklahoma and to Brent Venables, those are the guys that, that are going to be all in. They're not going to be the guys that, that, you know, whiffle waffle that waver that flake, and that, and that to me, like, that's a good thing. 
part of part of some of my frustration when I'd been in in supervisory roles at times is you end up with unreliable people and you can't count on people sometimes. And that is the biggest frustration. You ask any supervisor out there, like you'd rather have somebody that shows up and maybe isn't necessarily as talented as somebody who doesn't show up because what did uh, Bill Parcells say? The best availability or the best ability is availability. If you're going to show up and be the same day in day out, you can, you can take a little bit less talent than the person who you you're not sure if they're going to show up or not. You're not sure if they're going to bring their best when they come or if they even show up or if they even come like that to me, that's where this all stems from is Brent Venables wants people that, and players that are going to be reliable day in, day out, practice games, workouts, studies, and not have to not have to guess or wonder whether or not, you know, X recruit is going to be showing up to what he's expected to show up to. Sorry, there's a fly right in front of my face. Um, so I, I do appreciate it. It all sounds, you know, it sounds like at times where it can, it could potentially hurt Oklahoma, but he's willing to live with the consequences of that. But at the same time, he's being fair. I feel like he's being fair to the kids and telling them, if you want to go visit 10, 12 places, go do it. Take your opportunities. Go, go see Oregon, go see Michigan state, go see Miami, go see Texas, go see all those places. I'm not going to hold you back from that. But once you commit, don't go see those places. Go see all those places and then commit to us because we still believe that we're going to be the best place for you. And it's always made sense. Always made sense from that standpoint. And correct me if I'm wrong here. I know that we almost had an instance maybe in the past where Brent didn't pull an offer after somebody did take an extra visit. But to my knowledge, this is the, since he's taken over, this is the first offer that, at least we know of that has gotten pulled because of uh, because of a visit after having been committed to uh, to Oklahoma. Yeah, I, it's the first one I can think of. I mean, there's rumblings that that's what happened to Ashton Cozart, but Ashton Cozart was heading to Oregon anyway. Like that's that was ultimately what was going to happen. But whether or not it's beneficial, I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't I couldn't speak to like actual clarity on that. Um, but on the surface of the of the policy. I think it's a good one. Um, yeah, there it is. You know, Anthony Evans was committed to OU, then took a visit to Georgia. He his offer wasn't pulled, and he ended up flipping. BV didn't pull his commitment. Double standard, possibly. I mean, you could you could argue there's a, a double standard there. Um, you know, they they did I think make an argument though that like he went with his mom or he went to take his mom to the game, and and there was talk that he informed the staff that he was making the the. The visit, I don't know. Uh, possible double standard for sure. Uh, we'll see how much that continues to hold up. I mean, because this is not going to happen in just this class, but we'll continue to see you know things transpire. And we don't know whether or not the offer was pulled, but it never came public whether or not the offer was pulled. But yes, ultimately he did flip. Again, that that's exactly it. Maybe this has happened before and we've just not seen or heard it get reported or it hasn't. And exactly what they're saying right there. I mean, that's, I think, the risk that you run is Brent Venables is building this program, John, on a foundation of transparency, on a foundation of honesty. And if you're going to do one thing for a junior college kid, but, you know, for a high school kid or a four or five star kid, you're going to do something different. 
then that's not a foundation based on transparency and honesty. Again, don't have any reason to uh, don't have any reason to definitively say that it's happened in this instance and not somewhere else. I'm just saying it, you know, it does make you think or you're reminded of that. Uh, and let's let's just call it what it is. It'd be easy with the four or five star kid to have a different approach because mm-hmm. it's like uh, I think, John, either you or Plank and one of the shows that I regularly am a part of reference this a lot. It's the Jimmy Johnson quote where they say, they say, uh, well, wait a second. What, what happened when you kicked that guy off the Cowboys? Well, he fell asleep in a meeting. What would have happened if that was Troy Aikman? I would have said, hey, wake up, Troy. You know, it's like, right. like clearly there were two different levels of, of player involved. And I don't know. I mean, can you do that at the collegiate level where you're, you're you know, it's not it's not just professional football and i know that things have changed a little bit in regards to that when you start mixing name image and likeness lines have gotten blurred a little bit but to me college football is still for the most part college football in a lot of instances john to where you're recruiting a mom and dad to the school right you're recruiting a family to the school and if you're honest in one instance and it doesn't back it up with another to me that could potentially as i'm sure we're going to talk about tonight uh, you know some folks out there that have made some comments on message boards it uh, it it all reflects in a way that yes can be damaging in the recruiting game. I, you hope that it's not, but it could be. Yeah, there's always a there's always a possibility that those double standards hurt you. You know, if if you do have them, if they pop up and they show up, then they they could hurt you. At the same time, if you win like Jimmy Johnson won, you can kind of you can live with some double standards, and you can you can have a different expectations for diff- different players because you've won. Uh, Nick Saban. If Nick Saban wanted to have double standards for different players, I'm sure he could do it and get away with it. Uh, same with Kirby Smart. If he wanted to have them, if he wanted to treat his star players one way and and guys that were you know practice squatters a little bit different, he could probably make it happen. But you know that those guys have won. They've won national championships, not just one, but multiple national championships. Brent Venables doesn't have that luxury right now. So if if he wants to have these standards and these kind of blanket statements then they need to apply across the board at the moment. If down the road, he wants to provide more context and provide a little bit more grace in different areas, then that's good. I don't think he'll, I don't think people will be able to question it as much because it's, you know, if he's one and he's one big, then it, then it doesn't matter. But at the moment when you're coming off of a six and seven season, your first year as a head coach, Everything's going to be questioned and, and rightfully so. I mean, we love Brett Venables. I'm a Brent Venables fan. I, I like what he stands for. I like what he's trying to do, just not just with football players, but with kids and, and trying to develop them as people. At the same time, your job is to win football games. So that's the most important thing. Ultimately, it comes down to how many games did you win that season? Did you win a national championship? And if the answer is no, and you didn't win a lot of games, then everything's going to get called into question. So the decision Eric brings up a good point and I'll, I'll, I want to address that real quick. Brent Venables does have three national championships as a defensive coordinator. It counts for something, but it doesn't completely give him carte blanche to kind of just do everything he wants to do. I mean, he's the head football coach of the university of Oklahoma I mean, he's got to take his game to the next level. Those three national championships, yeah, they count, but they don't really matter now. That doesn't give him like, you know, what it's what have you done for me lately? And he's got to go win. And yeah, does he have the the 
accolades to kind of recruit with. Absolutely. That's going to make a big difference when he's recruiting defensive players, but still he's not had success as a head coach yet. And at some point that's what's going to matter more than the three national championships as a defensive coordinator. It's the Dick LeBeau for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, situation. Dick LeBeau, one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, NFL, college football, doesn't matter. One of the greats of all time did not do well as a head coach. And I'm not saying Brent Venables is going to go that same route, but ultimately what does it come down to? Dick LeBeau is remembered for being a great defensive coordinator, not a great head coach. Wade Phillips, great defensive coordinator, not a great head coach, a good head coach, not a great head coach. And so at some point though, all those, those three national championships, they matter. They're great but it's what have you done for me lately? And what have you done as a head coach? That's ultimately going to matter and, and tell the tale of his time at Oklahoma. No, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely fair to say uh, though. The recruiting, I think to Eric's point, the, the recruiting has been really good. Uh, the, yeah, the class that OU, the, the class that OU just signed indicates that whatever OU's doing is working. We've talked about this before. This is not you and I having any sort of a debate right now. This is me just defending Eric's point just, just a little bit here. It, it, it clearly is working, and it's in part because of what Eric mentioned, which is you've got the cachet. This staff has the cachet that Brent Venables is a championship-winning coach. No, it's not as a head coach. But uh, it is as a defensive coordinator in the belief, at least early, even though it was a six and seven season and that was disappointing, he and this staff are selling, yes, we can and we will get there at Oklahoma. Now, saying that and doing that, again, I think what you and I would agree on, John, is those are two different things. So want to uh, want to address a couple of questions that we've gotten in the comments. Uh, Jimmy asks, hey, what does this uh, Keon Brown news mean in terms of Oklahoma? Are they going to go add a uh, wide receiver out of the portal. Let's discuss that in full, John. And then just this comment from Blake, because I think probably there's some people that feel this way after the Zadavian Sims decision to commit to Oregon. It's pretty simple. Things are not looking good right now. That's uh, that's what Blake writes to us. So let's talk about that. But first, let me tell you that uh, FanDuel. FanDuel is where you can get in on the NBA action. Are we going to have more than just four games in the Eastern or Western Conference Finals? The Lakers trying to make uh, trying to say something about that, but make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, no better place to bet on all of the playoff action than with America's number one sports book, visit fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I will, uh, I will serve this, volley this over to you, John, and you can go whichever direction you'd like to go first. Wide, rec- wide, wide receiver, if I can speak. Wide receiver, does Oklahoma add, John? Or uh, what do you make? Zadavian Sims, the sky, is it falling for Oklahoma? Uh, I'll start with wide receiver. I I think that they're going to sit with what they've got. You know, Jaquay's Petaway coming in is going to be potentially the biggest impact if he's able to get up to speed fast enough, no pun intended. But the speed's there, but will he be able to learn the playbook fast enough and get integrated into the offense by the time they open the season in September? Otherwise, you're kind of relying on your transfer portal additions for this fall. But what it means for the future, 
I mean, we know that they want that Bryant Wesco. That's the big fish at wide receiver for the Oklahoma Sooners. That's the one that they got to land. And if he's as good as I think he is, I mean, he's a guy that if he's an early enrollee could come in and make a big impact as a true freshman next year. He's just a really, really, really good player. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot still to, to unfold. I mean, they got the, the KJ Daniels kid. That's another speedster in the 2024 class. But for this cycle, I think you're still just kind of relying on Jalil Farouk. You're relying on Drake Stoops, Gavin Freeman in the slot. And then you're hoping that somebody really takes a big step this summer and, and, and really sets themselves apart at wide receiver two, opposite Jalil Farouk, whether it's Angel Anthony or Brennan Thompson or Jaquez Petaway or, you know, LV Bunkley Shelton or JJ Hester, you know, one of those guys, you know, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. I mean, there's a whole host of dudes competing for, for playing time over there. Does it hurt you in the future? Yeah. But I still think again, amongst that group of guys I just mentioned, you still have a lot of wide receiver potentially potential depth for 2024, 2025. Um, as you start to, kind of unwind the uh you know when Jalil Farouk's gone then what um I think you still have a lot of options I don't know if Keon Brown would have been that you know replacement in 2024 2025 um so that's kind of where I that's where I said I don't I don't think they're going to do much more than what they've already done they might have already had an indication that this was going to be a thing uh, long before it was again you know the rumors were out there uh, for quite some time the rumblings were out there this was going to be the case for Keon Brown and so they, you know, they went to the portal. They got Anthony. They got Brennan Thompson. They were going after Jordan Tyson before he decided to go to Arizona State. You know, they were trying to add wide receiver talent. I think what you got is what you're going to be working with this fall. Well, and keep in mind, Oklahoma will be recruiting wide receivers in this next little go around here to pair with a five-star quarterback in one Jackson Arnold. So that that would I know that's going to be somebody that theoretically would not have taken a bunch of snaps between now and then. Now let's, let's see how 2023 plays out. I'm still very heavily leaning in the camp that it's going to be Dylan Gabriel's job and it's going to take a house of horrors for it not to be Dylan Gabriel's job over the course of the season. Unless Arnold just comes in and he just, you know, pulls a Trevor Lawrence or whoever, and he's just that good, which I guess we can't totally rule out, but uh, probably, Probably we're going on limited reps for one Jackson Arnold next season. And yet that's a five-star signee and guys are going to want to play with a five-star signee and it's Oklahoma. Uh, I've <laughs> John stop me. If you've heard this take before, I'll believe that Oklahoma has a skill position problem. When I see that Oklahoma has a skill position problem offensively. So I've just, I've just always felt like Oklahoma at wide receiver running back. I need to see that there's a legitimate serious problem before I believe that as we project forward, you know, Jalil Farouk, when we reconvene on this thing after 2023, will be gone. He'll, you, you would imagine would go to the, the national football league. Drake Stoops will be out. So there will be some, some plugging in and replacing, but if these items happen, then all of a sudden you're not nearly as concerned, John, if a Jaden Gibson takes a big step forward, if a Nick Anderson takes a big step forward, and keep in mind, I'm aware, all unknowns as we go into this season, if a Brennan Thompson is impressive, what about an Andrew Anthony does uh, does something here or there? So if those guys, in, and 
How about the the one signing now that you do have as a wide receiver in this class? If Jaquay's Petaway steps in and he's really, really good, really, if you just have a couple of guys, if it's if it's Petaway and Gibson or Petaway and Anderson, all of a sudden, then you project forward into 2024, John. You're not nearly as concerned about it. And oh, by the way, one of the beautiful things about the portal, this is a, this is a consistent take here too is as frustrating as the transfer portal is it's also kind of exciting because every single offseason a program like Oklahoma and with its crimson and cream collective and with the fan base John Oklahoma is going to be buyers in the transfer portal and they are going to bring talented people in every single offseason because a it's Oklahoma and b the Oklahoma fan base is incredible and just the opportunity to get to be a part of this offense yeah, I agree. I have no no questions really about what the offense is going to look like. I'm I'm still pretty bullish that they're going to be good enough to win, just like they were good enough to win nine, ten games last year. If the defense was just a little bit better, I think this offense is still going to be really good. Uh, they they've got a lot still to prove, uh, especially with offensive line, considering that there were injuries there. Uh, but and again, these guys mentioning DJ Graham. He was probably the best, like the, the biggest standout from the spring game. And I still forget about him every time. Like the, the, I can always have a wide receiver discussion, but then always end up forgetting about DJ Graham. Sorry, DJ. That's my bad dog. I've not, I'm, I'm still not over the fact that I expected you to break out in the 2021 season. As I wrote one of my first articles for Sooners wire and it didn't really happen. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not holding that against you at all. Um, I, I do think DJ Graham has a chance to be that wide receiver too he he really got up to speed quick this spring made big plays in the passing game in the spring game and if that continues to grow if he continues to to beat the drum and and have these really good practices and really good days puts together the offense then why not man the dude's athletic the dude's got good hands i mean he's got good hands he's got really good hands and that's gonna matter like you gotta have guys that can just go out there and snatch a football you're not always gonna be open you're not always gonna have you know yards of separation between you and the defender you've got to make a play and sometimes so our guys did not make plays last year in contested catch situations marvin mims made a few that were really nice but then also had a few kind of drops that were like what how did how did you drop that uh you know my guy jaleel farouk who i'm expecting a big season from you know he had some really really nice plays and then again he had some plays where like what that was like a wide receiver screen like it was just right to you how'd you drop that so you, if you have a guy with with really reliable hands and a DJ Graham and somebody who just seems to have a knack for playing the position, I mean, the, the one play he made on kind of the big deep ball that was kind of a 50-50 catch, like he got himself into a position and worked back to the ball. I don't see wide receivers doing that very much anymore. It's like they're just running, and if the ball is underthrown like it, like it was, they're just – there's like, oh, well, it's way under throw. I'm not going to be able to get back to it. He, no, he's like, he posted up, like he, he boxed out his guy. Like he was going for a rebound and just kind of waited on it and then got his body in the right position and made the play. Like absolutely huge, man. If DJ Graham can continue to beat that drum and have good practices, I really like him to potentially play a significant role at wide receiver too. So I don't know. Maybe you did. I'm trying to think back, John. I know I didn't. It just, the simple question was, do you add wide receiver now that now that this has happened right here now and i've got a i've got a more complicated question for you as a follow-up to that do we know if oklahoma can because the second transfer portal window has closed so if there are still players in the portal 
they can add those guys, but you can't, I believe you can't declare for the portal anymore. Because so the names that names that would be in the portal, they could add. Now it's my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong on this, John, but I think you have to have taken courses the semester before the season. So that, that would mean that basically these guys would have to, if they transfer in, it's my understanding and I could be wrong. And maybe this is archaic. I think they'd have to take summer classes. Now that may or may not be accurate. So I'll, yeah, I don't man. know. I'll, I'll, get I'll, make, I'll call compliance and we'll get it sorted out. We'll, we'll get, uh, we'll get it figured out. Hey, Kenny, Kenny agrees with you here. He says that's his understanding as well. Yeah. Get that, get that six week U S history course in, get that in. You know, you want that one. Um, so your next question, what was your other question you wanted to discuss? Should we be concerned about Oklahoma's recruiting right now? I feel like this is the question we discussed this time last year, right? Am I in the twilight zone? But am I am I like back in the time warp? Did I go through the multiverse and find myself in a a Oklahoma Sooners scenario in which we didn't see what happened in 2022 in the 2023 cycle? Because let's look at it. All right, I went back through my archives over at Sooners Wire to see where we were on June 1st, this time last year. Okay, June 1st, a year ago, we had four commitments. Tell me, how many blue chip prospects, Josh, did Oklahoma have on June 1st committed to the 2023 recruiting cycle? I'm guessing because of what you said, I'm guessing it was zero. One. One. Jackson Arnold was the only blue chip prospect committed because he committed back in January of 2022. He was the first Brent Venables commitment in the class. Now, Josh Bates had committed under Lincoln Riley, so – that that carryover matters like he stayed committed but jackson arnold was the first of the 2023 cycle they had three three stars where do they stand in the 2024 recruiting cycle they have six players committed right now how many of those are blue chips do you know off the top of your head i don't but i can uh, populate this really quickly i'm looking at four yes four blue chip prospects we're not even to june one yet so are we concerned about Oklahoma's recruiting? Because I'm not. What what did they do in June or July last year? Blew up. They had everybody sitting back thinking, why did we question this? What were we thinking? It all came together in June, July, and August when they at, had, a, had such a great three months during the summer that everybody's like, oh, man, this is going to be a great class. It was, it, it was going to be fantastic. I mean, they, they were pulling off blue chip prospects left and right, Got the Adipoja Adabare commitment, you know, during the summer. Derek LeBlanc as well during the summer, and, and it just started, you know, it snowballed and it all came together. So you're at a better place right now than you were on June 1st a year ago, and a, you, you're coming off of a six and seven season, and you haven't had the champ you barbecue yet, which is coming here in a few weeks, which is a huge, huge, you know, commitment time or at least recruitment time. Um, and based on all of that, based on official visits happening, you know, guys are starting to take their official visits. And once all that kind of comes, you know, wraps up, you're going to start seeing commitments to Oklahoma. And, you know, you might not see the David stone commitment until later in the cycle or Williams, no until later in the cycle, but you're going to start seeing a lot of other guys putting pen to paper and, or not putting pen to paper that happens in December, but you know, cashing in that chip and saying they're all in with the Oklahoma Sooners over the next few months, because that's just the way that this is going to go in the Brent Venables 
era of Oklahoma recruiting. No doubt. And it is what it is. You have an in-state kid in Zadavian Sims. That's a blue chip guy, even though, you know, Zadavian Sims might not be that, you know, 13 year and over high school senior, like yours truly, right. It's a little bit different in-state kid, maybe than, than others. Right. But uh, because you're coming on the heels of that decision away from Oklahoma to Oregon, people have a bad taste in their mouth on this Monday, the weekend, you know, following this past weekend. So it is what it is. I mean, that's not to be, that's to be expected. That's not surprising. It will get better. I do have optimism and hope that this class still Oklahoma. I I look no further than David Stone's response to some of that negative to the message board geniuses post that was out there. That was showing some of our, our Bozo Oklahoma fans out there on the message boards, uh, making you, I, and everybody else look terrible. Uh, David Stone said, yeah, but that's not really everybody in the Oklahoma fan base. To me, that's a pretty good sign for Oklahoma standing with David Stone. Again, that's no guarantee. And it's going to be very challenging to win that recruitment because it's a five-star top 10 national uh, player in David Stone. But I think OU is going to win that recruitment. I think they've got a great chance with Williams Winery. I still think they're sitting uh, in good shape with Nigel Smith and with Joseph Jonah Ajonye. So there's big defensive line names on the board. And John, though, this is a program that didn't get DJ Hicks and, you know, myself and others kind of hit the freak out button after that happened in last year's recruiting cycle. You did still wind up with PJ Atabare. You did still get Derek LeBlanc. And no, we haven't seen those guys play yet, but these are high, high profile players in terms of their recruiting ranking that probably we're going to look back on at least one of the two and say, okay, yeah, that was a massive get up front for Oklahoma. So I guess what I'm saying is Will, Will Ferrell style, but a little bit calmer than that, maybe than in old school. Nobody we can't have anybody freak out out there right now. It's going to be okay. Yeah. By the end of this thing, we're all going streaking through the quad. Like by the time the 2024 cycle ends up, it's going to be fantastic. Like it's no problem. Snoop. Uh, Bring your green hat. Yeah. Yeah. Snoop. Bring the green hat. Snoop a loop. Um, everybody's going it. Everybody's doing it. So I, I'm not concerned, you know, again, by July, you know, I was looking back again through the archives in July, we still didn't have a Derek LeBlanc commitment. We still didn't have the, uh, Jaqu- or I think we got the Jaquay's Petaway commitment in July. So the time will come. We have to be patient. Our other schools making moves hundred percent. Are other schools getting commitments? Yeah, Oregon just had a great weekend. They, I think they added three guys over the last few days. It's a long game, right? We still have, what, seven months or six months, a little over six months until the early signing period. We have a little over eight months until National Signing Day. There's a lot that can still go on. And I'm still of the mind that over the summer, over the summer months, that Brent Venables is going to add the players that are going to make up the core of this class and who knows when those, you know, the David Stone, Williams, Winery commitments will come in. But I think everybody's still feeling really, really positive about those things. What's the common thread between the, I know it was one month or whatever it was, right? December, uh, you know, late, late November, or early December, right into signing day. And then uh, into that national signing day when Venables and company first took over in that f- first full year recruiting cycle, what, what are the common threads that those two have in common, John? They closed. They closed. They, they closed. So don't think that this Oklahoma staff 
is not going to go do the same thing again. And probably this season is going to go a heck of a lot better than six and seven. That remains to be seen just how much better, but I don't think this is just going to be uh, the total disaster class that last season was for Oklahoma. So you're going to have that working for you a little bit too. So I, yeah, I, I trust this staff, John, to do what they've shown that they can do which is go close on the uh, recruiting trail. So it'll be okay. And, and oh, by the way, the June visits, like you said, they're right around the corner. That's now turned into a massive recruiting month for Oklahoma. And typically that's when the dominoes start to topple over in a positive direction for OU. Yeah, and, and I think it's easy to be in a, in a position like Sooner Cowboys is where he's getting less confident about the defensive lineman OU wants. I mean, when you see a guy like Zadavian Sims kind of turn course and commit elsewhere, uh, when you see the reactions from a Nigel Smith or a Danny Okoye to the message board genius post and see what people are saying about a, a high school kid, yeah, I mean, it's easy to like have a few days where you're like, oh man, why would anybody want to commit here? Um, but I think, you know, again, what's going to win out ultimately is relationships. And the relationship that matters most is Todd Bates. And these defensive linemen. And when we've talked with, whether it's John Garcia before or Brian Smith recently, Todd Bates is a great builder of relationships. And eventually that is going to pay off in great recruiting classes along the defensive line. It worked out at Clemson. It's going to work out at Oklahoma. It's just not happened yet. The operative word being yet. It's still early in the cycle. We haven't even reached summer. The champion barbecue has not happened yet. It's just a matter of time. And I know people don't want to be patient. People don't want to be you know, told to be patient. I don't want to be told to be patient sometimes, but I think that's just a, what it, it, what it's going to have to be, you know, and that's going to be the, the life cycle of a recruiting cycle in the Brent Venables era is you'll build momentum through the spring. You'll build momentum through, you know, the spring game and, and into May and things like that but you may not really start to see the dominoes fall until you get to the heart of the summer. And that's because that's after guys are taking their official visits, you know, more often than not, you know, they're going to, to all these places that Oklahoma is competing with. And so it's, it may not happen until after these officials, it's because like we, we talked about earlier, what does Brent Venables want these kids to do? Know that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, and the only way that you know, that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, is take all your visits Go on all your visits. He doesn't want them committing early. I'm sure he wants, he'd be happy if guys like Jackson Arnold got in the boat early or Michael Hawkins got in the boat early or Kevin Sperry got into it really, really early. But ultimately what he wants is guys that are going to be committed, stay committed and come to Oklahoma ultimately not be wishy-washy on it. So that's part of the reason why we're not going to see a lot of, you know, first five months, you know, of that calendar year commitments, why it's going to be more later summer, because it's going to be after those official visits take place. No doubt. You, you get this, the whole spring schedule, John, to go visit wherever you want. And then you kind of get into the summer month and a lot of folks want to make their decision before they play their senior year of high school football, just because frankly, it's not fun to be uncommitted as you're going through your senior year of high school football. I mean, believe it or not, even though sometimes these turn into for 
us as analysts and fans watching, it's like, wow, is this just a big circus act? Or why is this, why is this such a big show? These kids, it is a massive decision in their lives. And oh, by the way, it is a distraction to the rest of their football career. And they do care about their teammates in high school and they want to enjoy their final years on their uh, respective high school campuses. So with that all in mind, yes, the, the recipe, the concoction, we've got it, you know, boiling and broiling and we're ready to go. The sooner Crimson and cream stew, it's almost done. It'll be here this summer, just like it's always going to be here this summer under Brent Venables and company. And really it boils down to this from Blake. If you get stone, if you get Williams, if you get Smith, yeah, fans are going to be happy, excited, and they just need to see Brent and this staff get that done. They 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 need to see Brent and Todd Bates get that accomplished. And if they do, all of those those worries and concerns will start to dissipate because it just it is what it is. It's the not so quiet elephant, obvious elephant in the room, right? It's the area of recruiting that Oklahoma fans feel is keeping them from when you make the jump to the SEC contending for and winning national championships up front defensive tackle defensive line and if you can't be great there you're not going to win championships and that freaks Oklahoma fans out because it is the long long drought for Oklahoma fans trying to track down one of these things number eight has been such a long wait and so that all makes sense but let's just see how it plays out if in this cycle they fail John okay I'm ready to sound some alarm bells yeah and and I think it's not going to be that I think it's going to be a good cycle for Oklahoma. I, f- I still feel very confident about that. The, the Zadavian Sims thing, I felt like Oklahoma's kind of path kind of came out of nowhere because it had been Michigan State for so long. And then when Oregon popped up, it, it still felt like, okay, I felt confident. But then again, Oregon was you know just kind of right there. But you never knew what was going to happen there. Even as confident as I felt in it, it still seemed like there was always a possibility it wouldn't go Oklahoma's way. I, st- I still feel really good about where they're at with these other guys because it seems like once Oklahoma really got their hooks in, so to speak, it- it's been uh, Oklahoma is going to reel them in. This is going to be a really good class. We just got to wait for it. Nobody wants to wait for it. We got to wait for it. It's going to come together. They're already showing signs of life on the defensive backfield with Jaron, Maya Newcomb and Jaden Hardy you know, they've got the good quarterback in. They're going to start putting things together really, really nicely. I agree, Jimmy. It's going to be just fine. Well, off Jimmy's comment there, I think if we have a good year, our defensive line recruiting will be just fine. Do you subscribe to the theory that it, quote unquote, needs to be a good to great year for this uh, signing class to be? one that encompasses a David Stone, a Williams Winery, a Nigel Smith, and perhaps beyond. I mean, does it need to be back to Oklahoma, 10-plus win season, Big 12 champs? I mean, theoretically, hypothetically, the obvious answer would be, well, you know, no, it doesn't have to be that because you can always still get somebody to commit and sign without it. But it, it does feel like that type of momentum, you know, just coming off of last season, man, it, it – feels like yeah they need that type of on-field positive momentum too i can see it to a point but the thing i come back to a lot is it never have seemed has seemed to matter for texas right texas is kind of just kind of maintained where they were for what a decade or more 
and still get really good recruiting classes. So for Oklahoma, I think they do need to show improvement. I think that's going to help seal the deal for a lot of these, but I don't think ultimately like having to get back to the big 12 title game. I don't think that has to be the case. I think they just have to show signs that, Hey, the defense is improving. We're getting better. We're not a finished product yet. Hey, come be a part of the fin- of finishing the product as we go to the sec. I-, I still think that people believe in Brent Venables and, and there's a belief there. I-, I think that there's a belief in the, in the position coaches as well. And that's why we're, we're seeing, you know, so many, guys committing and you're getting a a blue chip class, whether it's defensive back or, you know, the defense in general. I mean, this is one of the better defensive classes that they've ever recruited. And it only, and it had the two five stars in Peyton Bowen and and Adepojo Adabare, and they have a chance to make it just as good or even better in this next cycle, even coming off of a six and seven season. So I still think that they're going to be in really, really good shape. Even if they go something like, you know, eight and five, or nine and four or something like that, including the bowl game, obviously. Um, if they go something like that, I, I still think that's going to show enough signs of life. That's going to help to reinforce everything that they're selling on the recruiting trail. Yeah. It's a fair point to be made that if you just don't get any worse or stay identical to where you're at, if there's any sort of legitimacy to the idea that, hey, you know, this was definitely an improving Oklahoma team because we're already kind of hearing that from guys that signed in the last class. Oh, look, the uh, or, you know, the early commits we've seen in this 2024 class. We, we've read those quotes, you know, Brent Venables, the staff, they believe that they, they believe they've got this thing headed in the right direction and I want to be a part of it again. Then all of a sudden you add something tangible from the from the the field into that equation. I don't know from the Cotton Bowl into that equation that could be yeah it could be a real big helper for Oklahoma though you know I, I do I do worry a little bit for OU that what what sooner uh Cowboys said right here you, you don't have that same advantage to the state of Texas because Texas is the home state school on and on and on you know Georgia's got the state of Georgia Florida Florida Ohio State Ohio uh, USC California I mean there's certain schools that it's borderline criminal if you don't finish top five in a recruiting class or top 10 in a recruiting class, because you've got literally every stinking advantage that you could possibly have. OU's got a lot of advantages because it's a blue blood program, but it doesn't have the same advantage that a Texas or a Georgia or a couple of others have just based on location, though Dallas, you know, historically has been great for Oklahoma. So all of that to say, probably, yes, I worry to some degree for Oklahoma can they, and I don't think anybody, I mean, obviously nobody wants this, but can Oklahoma stay bad and still recruit as good as they did the last cycle? I don't know that they can, John. We'll find out, won't we? You know, can they go multiple years and do it? Maybe. Like I could see, you know, if it's a seven and six season this year, maybe they could hold up, you know, on the, on the recruiting end of things. But if it was three years in a row, nah. Definitely not. But at three years, you're you're on the hot seat. Like if you go two years and you're not winning nine, ten games, um, that's probably an issue. But if you go three years and that's then then you're probably on your last legs and, and the, the seat is on fire. Um, I, I do think that this is going to be a good class and I think it's going to be a good season. And I know I'm the 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 homer and the 
I drink the crimson Kool-Aid and I'm an optimist eternally. And it's just the way I live. It's the way I am. I'm just a hopeful dude. I just, I just think this is going to be a really, really good football team. I, I think they're going to be much, much better. The big 12 is so wide open. The schedule is so much, it, it's favorable uh, to say the least. And I, I just don't see a way that they're as bad as they were a year ago. I think the guys that they brought in defensively are going to help them make such a significant improvement on that side of the ball that it's going to help the offense be even better because they're not having to you know, go out and try to score every single time because they have to outscore teams in order to win. They're going to be able to play with a little less pressure um, than they did a little than they did a year ago. And I totally agree with this assessment. If Oklahoma goes worse than eight and four, I would add one word to this. Instead of we've got questions, I would say we've got serious questions for Oklahoma because the the non-conference schedule, you might as well just you might as well just say Oklahoma's 3 and 0 right now. So basically you're saying can Oklahoma go 500 the rest of the way in conference play? Absolutely they should be able to do that. And I think that they they will do that, John. I'm optimistic too. I trust Brent Venables, his track record to improve defenses. I think even though he's now in the head coach's seat, that track record, it's about to uh, it's about to, to show itself to be true, that Oklahoma, yes, is improving. And I think we already saw some initial signs of that in the spring game. But as unfortunately will be a theme throughout May, throughout June, throughout July, throughout August, until we get to September and probably even a little bit in September, we've just got to see this defense go do it. Yeah, I mean, that first game in the Big 12 schedule against Cincinnati – that's the one that uh, that I want to see, uh, and maybe it's the Kansas game really that we got it. That we're going to be. Does Kansas come after Texas this year? I can't remember. They do. Okay, so so we're we're not really going to know about this defense. I don't think until either Cincinnati or Texas. The reason I say Cincinnati is because of Emory Jones and his ability to run the football, which is something that gave Oklahoma fits last year. But we might not know really about this defense until they play Texas. How good they can be until they play a, a team that's as loaded with wide receivers and a improving quarterback as they are at Texas. So that's the game that's going to be circled on the calendar. I know it is every year, right? You're always circling Texas on the calendar, but this year it, it holds so much more importance just because of what happened a year ago. I, we, I can't, I can't do another year of 49, nothing for the life of me. Like I, I might have to delete my Twitter account. If we have to do another year of that, it just, I can't do any more of it. Josh, I can't. I just can't. I know. I'd like uh, to go ahead and hand out another, you know, Oklahoma-sized beatdown of Texas in the uh, the Cotton Bowl. Go ahead and rip off a 63-14 would be a, a much better feeling for OU. That that's Cincinnati game will be a, a nice little litmus test. I don't think it will be the largest litmus test for Oklahoma, but – you know, theoretically, I, I could see a scenario where Cincinnati's better than we think because of uh, Emory Jones and obviously just the environment itself, John, is going to be a big-time road environment for OU. Uh, with that being their first Big 12 game, it's, you know, welcome to the big league, so to speak. And I think you, I, and everybody else knows this. You're bringing the blue blood to town. You're, you're Oklahoma. They want a piece of you. This is why they came to the Big 12 Conference. Obviously, Oklahoma and Texas are not going to be around after next season, but this is the chance to kind of stake the stake the flag and say, hey, look, we belong in this thing. So it will be a challenging, challenging road environment if Oklahoma, John, doesn't come out and squash it early. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they got to get out there and they got to play well, especially on defense. They've got to. That, and that's what it's going to take for them to improve to eight or nine wins. They're going to have to be significantly better. And uh, Alpha Gospel, I was going to say that your comment is mid about this team is got, they don't have a lot of different difference makers on this team mid across the board. That's a mid comment. So not the gospel that's fake. That's false um, doctrine right there. Now they're, they're, they got difference makers, man. Like Gavin Sawchuk, difference maker, Javante Barnes, difference maker, Jaleel Farouk, difference maker, Dylan Gabriel. He's a difference maker. He's good. He's good guys. He's good. He's a good player. It's okay to say he's good. Is he Baker Mayfield? No, but he's good. All right. Uh, Tyler Guyton, difference maker on your offensive line. Defensively, Ronald Bothroyd, Desan McCullough. Danny Stutzman is a difference maker. I know the defense wasn't good last year, but the dude is good. Reggie Pearson, difference maker. Billy Bowman, improving player. Peyton Bowen, difference maker. This is a good, this is going to be a good team. They are going to be much better than what we thought. And Luis Martin has, has the, the right answer here. He says there are no proven difference makers. I can I can be with that. This is a young team developing, but I do think they have a lot of guys that are proven. They just maybe aren't the elite players in college football yet. Well, and on that note, what a show it's been, my friends. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And Sooners Cowboys, I'm with you. I'm glad there's no hype for you, except here on Locked On Sooners. We're going to get you hyped all summer long as we get ready for the 2023 college football season, the last season in the Big 12 before heading to the SEC. We got to get hype. We're going to get hype. It's going to be hype. This is going to be so fun this year. We can't wait to uh, to break it all down for you over the summer as we hear rumblings from what's going on in, in summer workouts and in, in fall camp. In August, we'll break it all down. So make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms and on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh and Ref. Follow myself at John Nine Williams. And the show is at Locked On Sooners. Again, you can find us here every single day, Monday through Friday, on the YouTube side or in your podcast side as well. For all the hype, I'm John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. We'll talk to you next time. Boomer sooner.